Hi, and welcome to the 4th U Dimension podcast. My name is Ember Kelly. I'm the Director of Religious Education at the 4th Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and I'm so glad you could join us today. For this month's podcast, we're thinking about mindfulness. We're thinking about these challenging times that we live in and how we can be a little bit more mindful in the stresses and in the problems of the current moment. Uh, And you may not know it, but actually during 2021, I completed a yoga teacher training course. So I am slightly competent in talking about mindfulness, but I am really excited that uh, my trainer and my mentor, Jamie Marion, is able to sit down and join us for today's podcast. Jamie, it's so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Psyched to be here. You, know, you have played this big role in my life this last year, getting to be my yoga trainer, uh, but also now my yoga mentor in this year. Um, so I am super excited to have you. Yeah, thanks so much. I really enjoy all of our time together always. So this is just a bonus, bonus to get to chat. Would you like to uh, give like a, a very, very brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, you mentioned I'm Jamie Marion. I use she, her pronouns. I am um, currently on Ottawa and Peoria land in what's Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've been teaching yoga for nine years, almost 10 years. Um, I've been leading teacher trainings for the last six or seven years. Um, Essentially, yoga is my full-time gig. I eat, sleep, and breathe yoga. I teach between 12 and 15 classes a week and lead teacher trainings. And um, I'm currently leading a yoga mentorship program, which is just filling up my life with so much joy. I love it. So essentially, mindfulness, intentionality, yoga, breath, that's my gig. That's my life. I'm really grateful. Yoga can be such this tool of of mindfulness. I mean, I know it has been for me. Some people, you know, prefer yoga for the more uh, athletic benefits. Um, but I and you know, I've appreciated those in my time. Uh, but I think for me, one of the things that always attracted me to yoga was uh, the way that it helped me feel more present in my own body. What have, have those parts of yoga been something that attracted you to the practice of yoga? You know, was what what pulled you and called you towards towards yoga? Yeah, um, I was like many people who take my classes originally really just attracted to yoga because of the physicality. It felt really good in my body as someone who maybe didn't fit the mold of a traditional athlete. It was nice to find something that felt like it really agreed with my body. It felt great. It felt sort of like coming home physically. Um, and it wasn't until I had my um, started having babies and I got pregnant for the first time that I was more interested in the mindfulness components of this practice. Um, when my body could no longer do the things that it had gotten really accustomed to doing, my hand was sort of forced <laughs> to look in other directions. So I feel like um, asana, which is the physical practice, really did lay some beautiful groundwork for what came next. So as much as I feel like um, I spent a ton of time just focused on the physicality of the practice, I don't feel like that was time wasted because I feel like it really laid the groundwork um, for just knowing how good this practice can feel physically. And that has transferred tenfold to how good this practice feels um, spiritually and mentally in my life. 
So um, I was originally also just drawn to the physicality, but um, slowly over time, more and more doors kind of opened up and I've just been walking through them. Well, and that was one of the fascinating things that we learned about in yoga teacher training, of course, uh, was that while a lot of us in Western society think yoga and we think, oh yeah, like going to this place and doing yoga, kind of like Pilates, um, but fancier, um, that uh, in reality, yoga is part of this broader uh, philosophical concepts that include things like meditation, breathing exercises, um, that include the even the way we live, that we need to live in a more uh, mindful way. Um, and that was, you know, one of the things that I loved uh, getting to learn about in yoga teacher training. Would you like to give like the the condensed uh, version of of the different parts of yoga for, for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the yoga that I mostly practice and teach comes from something called the eightfold path. So essentially, um, there are eight sort of limbs to this practice. One of them is the physical practice. One of those limbs is you know, the poses, the down dogs, the tree poses, the things you see on Instagram. Um, that is like one element of this practice. But the other elements of the practice, the ones that have really kind of filled in my life in a beautiful way, not just physically, are things like yoga ethics, this idea that we should put compassion and nonviolence at the root of everything we do, honesty, um, generosity, we should can moderate our energy, we should make sure we're being mindful with where we put our energy, taking care of ourselves, working hard, these are all things that are just in the first two limbs of yoga. Um, then we get into this physical practice where we start to move our body. And along with that comes breathing practices, meditation practices, um, mindfulness, concentration, and eventually things like joy and bliss, which comes as sort of a byproduct of this practice. So it really does encompass every element of my life at this point. There's nothing that I'm doing at any given point that I can't fit into part of this yogic lifestyle, which has really um, revolutionized my life. But at the foundation of it is the idea of nonviolence, of doing as little harm as possible. So we finished yoga teacher training in November. I think I technically got my my homework in in you know December, but uh, that, that's that's a discussion for another day. Um, and uh, you know, so we were finishing it online, but then right as that all ended was the Omicron wave across the country, uh, and you know it has been, um, I think, obviously a challenging couple of years. Uh, but you know, kind of after the um, last summer, you know, there was this sense of like things were improving, you know, and then this winter to have that happen. And then now this, you know, in the spring, it almost feels like we're back in a rough stage again, that people are just feeling so pulled and there's so much going on in the world right now that it's, I mean, it's thrown off a lot of people's routines, a lot of people's things that they've done to take care of themselves. How do we, you know, what, what advice do you have for trying to find mindfulness, for trying to find ways to, to take care of yourself in the midst of the world as it is right now? Yeah, I think the first thing, um, coming back to that idea of nonviolence being the foundation of this practice, is just to treat yourself with as much compassion as possible. It's really easy to start to beat yourself up about all the things you're not doing. And forget that every day we're surviving a thousand things every single day. We have a lot coming at us. And just because we've gotten used to it 
doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's not taking a tremendous amount of mental energy. So the first thing I would say is if you're having a hard time, you know, meditating, journaling, practicing yoga, whatever you do to care for yourself is to cut yourself some slack, (laughs) to be compassionate to yourself that it is a process. Uh, This is a lifelong practice. Um, I think of my yoga practice as being tools in my toolbox, you know, and when I practice yoga, I'm putting tools into my toolbox that I can use anytime. And so if I'm not using my tools effectively, uh, it's not going to be beneficial to me to beat myself up about that. It's completely antithetical to the practice of yoga, which is nonviolence toward self, nonviolence toward others. So that would be my first piece of advice is to, you know, cut yourself some slack, show yourself some grace, acknowledge how challenging things have been and give yourself credit for putting one foot in front of the other for doing the things that we're doing. Um, We've survived a lot. So to start with that compassion, Um, that being said, realizing that yoga does not need to be 90 minutes where you roll out your mat and you have this big kind of quiet introspective, beautiful practice with candles and great music and all of this stuff. Yoga is waking up and first thing in the morning, drinking a huge glass of water as a way to be kind to yourself. You know, yoga is taking a couple of breaths before you respond to an email that you find unsettling. Um, Yoga is taking a walk without uh, your headphones in. It's taking a nap when you need it. It's getting to bed on time. All of those things are aspects of this practice. And so anything that you do on purpose in real time is mindfulness. So trying not to maybe overthink it. It doesn't need to be um, Instagram worthy. It doesn't need to be picture perfect. You just have to do what you're doing while you're doing it. And that's mindfulness. You mean my, my yoga practice doesn't exist solely for Instagram and TikTok views? Well, it's lovely. So go ahead, get it. But <laughs> it doesn't have to. I think that one of the things that I, yeah, we've obviously talked about that I am more pulled towards the more restorative types of yoga, yin yoga, that, that kind of style, the slightly slower ones. But one of the things that I really loved in the training was getting to spend time thinking about like trauma informed yoga and thinking about how we hold space and in our sessions, how we hold space for others, how we be sensitive to like, to me, it seemed a really good example of being a leader in a community, being a part of a community and being informed about how we can be sensitive to others in a way that we can exist well together. I think it's, I think those lessons can really apply so much to, you know, like it feels like when we, when we talk about being trauma informed in general life, that, Lots of people kind of, I feel like, almost complain, like, oh, we got to make all these concessions for people's. But, you know, in the context of the yoga class, for us to think about it, it made so much sense to, uh, these are how we be respectful of these experiences. We don't need to have the loudest music. We don't need to have, like, flashing disco lights during our our yoga practice, because these might trigger trauma responses for people. Uh, And I think that's so important. So... Taking that to think about community, what like what advice do you have for being trauma informed as like a, a a principle of yoga? Yeah, well, yoga is self care, but it's also community care. Um, when we care for ourselves in an effective way, it gives us the ability to care for a community. Um, when I hold space for myself, um, for me that means downtime. That means 
chance to do nothing alone, quiet. That's my, that's how I hold space for myself. That gives me the ability to then hold space for others. So I do think any kind of trauma-informed practice boils down to taking care of the self in addition to taking care of the community. Um, Anyone who gives professionally (laughs) knows that feeling of being of being drained, you're not good to anybody. You're not doing any good when you're depleted and drained. So um, community care, trauma-informed practices really start with self-care, care for the self. And it's, so the self-care drum has been being beaten to death. You know, everyone has heard, you know, self-care, 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 but self-care is the foundation of this practice. If we think about nonviolence as the foundation of this practice, um, we need to set boundaries around our time. We have to make sure that we have ample rest. We need to make sure that we're accounting for the fact that we're living through a time that's really complicated, that's requiring a tremendous amount of energy from us. Um, so that self-care really is the foundation of community care. As far as, as, far as trauma-informed practices specifically, so many people have experienced trauma. You're in a room with 10 people at least one of those people has experienced very severe trauma and probably has PTSD as a result of it. Up to four of those people have experienced trauma that didn't result in PTSD. It's everywhere. Um, To act like trauma-informed practices only belong in trauma-informed specific situations, I feel like is really underestimating um, just how much trauma plays a role in the society that we're in everybody has experienced trauma. And when I'm teaching classes and talking to people, um, the best I can, I try to use sort of universal precautions. Um, You know, when you're in, when you go to the hospital, they're going to assume that everybody has bloodborne illness, right? They're going to act as if they need to make sure that they're being mindful of that. And that's the same thing that I try to do when I talk to people and lead classes. My assumption is that people have experienced trauma And then I use those best practices and everybody benefits. So it's not like it needs to be in specific trauma-informed situations. The conversations that we had around that in class have have helped me to be aware in my own life of the way that, you know, to to think more consciously about the way that certain things trigger certain responses from me and to, you know, acknowledge that this is a lot of, a lot of people are living with similar uh, things and to think about how, um, the actions that I take might be perceived for others and to be cautious and aware of others. And I think that uh, yoga has been such a beautiful part of my journey for, for getting, getting to that point. Recognizing these traumas in myself, recognizing these things has allowed me to take better care of myself, to see what I need to do to take better care of myself. I'm kind of curious as kind of a, a wrap-up question. What are some of like the self-care things that really help you find that mindfulness in these challenging times? I like to default to the wisdom of Ayurveda. Um, And Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. We don't need to get into all of that. But um, (laughs) the idea behind Ayurveda is like increases like. So in order to balance out things that feel out of balance in my life, more of the same is not going to do it. So for example, if I'm feeling very high, strong, very in my head, doing something that requires a lot of like intellectual stimulation is not going to help. 
what I need to do for me personally is to sort of draw that energy and attention down. So when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling in my head, when I'm worrying a lot, I try to pull the attention down into my body. Um, and I'll give you a concrete way I do that in a moment. Um, but for me, that feels very much like my mind, which can be in the future, in the past, it can be across the country, it can be 10 years from now, my body can only be right here. So using my body as a tool. And one of my favorite practices, and this is especially for anxiety, this is when I'm worrying, when I get in that kind of cycle of like, they're going to say this, and I'm going to say this, and they're going to say that, and I'm going to say this, um, bringing my attention all the way down into my feet is my hands down favorite in the moment mindfulness practice. So it can be done anywhere at any time without moving your feet, without adjusting them. You just notice where they are in space. They might be tucked up underneath you or in shoes or on a hard surface. I try to feel what the position of the feet is in real time. And then I try to ground them in some way. So if I'm sitting in a chair, that might mean putting my feet on the actual ground and pressing into the feet a little bit. If I'm standing, that might mean a little wiggle of my toes to kind of bring the attention down in there. And then I try to get really granular about like what I'm feeling in my feet. What's the temperature of my feet? What do my socks feel like? What are the, what's the sensation surrounding my foot? Is my toe cooler or warmer than the arch of my foot? just really getting specific because my brain can't do that in real time and worry about 10 things that might happen. So what it does is it slows me down. It literally brings the, the energy and attention from my brain down into my body in a very real way. So that's probably my favorite kind of practical mindfulness tip, just redirecting that attention. And it's amazing how, you know, anybody who's gone all day and forgotten to eat lunch or realized, wow, I haven't drank any water today. You know, it's easy for that attention to stay up here and pulling it down into the body um, can really help to bring us into this present moment because our body has to exist here. It can't exist in the future or the past. Those feel like wise words to end on. Jamie, thank you so much for sitting down with me today for this podcast. Truly my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Always a joy to, to chat and always a joy to get to share this wisdom with uh, our community. Thank you as always to all of our listeners as well. Mm-hmm.